0: Grace, mercy and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Exodus chapter 17 says all of the congregation of the people of Israel moved from the wilderness of Sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim where there was no water for them and for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarrelled with Moses and said give us water to drink and Moses said to them why do you quarrel with me why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. You may be seated. If only, if only, we would have asked, because asking is a part of the Christian life. Asking is a part of prayer. Yet there are times that we fly into action demanding a solution, and when we do, we easily forget to humble ourselves and to ask what God's will really is. James puts it this way, You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask God. And that's what happened with God's people under Moses in Exodus 17. They have a gripe with their visible leader, but Moses is only God's servant that goes ahead and brings their request to God and then brings God's word to them. He is their mediator. They quarrel with him, putting the Lord to the test. They have failed to learn. They have failed the test. For just one chapter earlier in Exodus chapter 16, it reads, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them and see whether they walk in my law or not. God's word or excuse me, God's will, is His Word. His Word is the only way we know His gracious will. His Word is the only way we know for sure that God is really for us. Trusting in His Word is to live by faith, and living by faith is living beyond our experience, beyond our emotions, and simply trusting God's Word. And when we trust God's Word, then we can go ahead and evaluate our experiences, and our emotions now go ahead and conform to that enduring, unchangeable word. And today we learn again that God is indeed for us. We have heard in the invocation in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, this isn't just some God among many gods, but the one and only God who is distinguished from all else. We are reminded that We who have been baptized have been baptized into this name. He has given us that name and placed it on on us, for he has claimed us as his very own children, that we may now call him our Father. So at this point in time, I'd like you to go ahead and take out your hymnals and turn to page 323, 323 in the front part of your hymnal, and look under the Lord's Prayer page 323, where we have the introduction to the Lord's Prayer in the right-hand column, about halfway down, and it says, Our Father who art in heaven. And then it says, What does this mean? Let's speak this together. With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that He is our true Father and that we are His true children, so that with all boldness and confidence, We may ask him, as dear children ask their dear father. That's good and fine. But some may say, that's Luther. how do you know that this is God's attitude toward us? Look again at the Old Testament on the back of your bulletin. And how God treated his people after they quarreled with Moses and they questioned the Lord's presence. He says, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go and behold, I will stand there before you on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water shall come out of it and the people will drink. God was graciously providing for his people. God's people complained about the food and the Lord provided. God's people complained about the water and God provided. But that all came at a cost. The Lord stood before Moses on the rock and Moses struck the rock and the water came out and 1,400 years later the Lord would again appear before His people in the person Jesus Christ and they would strike He who is the rock with the law of Moses And from his side would come water and blood. And yet, before Jesus died on the cross, we hear him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Lord continues to be gracious to his ungrateful people, so that when all would learn, so all would learn how gracious. And merciful the Lord is. Why would he allow himself to be treated this way? Again, so that we may learn that we have a gracious God and we would come and we would ask him. Again, look at the back of your bulletin under the epistle. In Romans chapter 5, and there it begins. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Through him we also have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What in the world then would prevent us from coming to the Lord? Our attitude. It is our attitude toward the Lord whether we come to him or not. It is our attitude toward his gracious Word like the Samaritan woman. Her life yelled against God's creation, against marriage, against men, against God's people, against God Himself. Her life yelled against God's people. She was a Samaritan, and Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Her life yelled against men in marriage. The ones she had had weren't either good enough for her or she wasn't good enough for them. Her life yelled against God's sixth commandment, not only having one husband, but five, and the one she had was not her husband. Maybe she was tough to live with, or maybe she couldn't make the right choices in men. We don't know. But what we do know is she really didn't know the grace of God and what he was doing until the grace of God came to her. Jesus Christ, who came not just for the Jewish people, but also for her and her people, and he is the Savior of the world. By our quarreling, by our immorality, we prove that we do not trust God. For Jesus comes to us today to reveal to us the true heart of God, as we read in John chapter 3, and we heard last Sunday, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but then in order that the world might be saved through him. The very God that could go ahead and put us into hell right now first sends his Son to have the sin of, the humani- of humanity come upon him and to strike him down. He gave his one and only Son For you and for me to suffer the rejection on our behalf and God's anger is satisfied and our sin atoned for and our shame removed. Because of that, we are able to come before the presence of God and to present our requests. We are allowed to pray to him through our brother and his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is, or because, yes, because he is Jesus' father, he is now our father, and as well as to answer our soul's complaint. And that is why we pray in Jesus' name. It is through Jesus Christ that we have gained this access to God, for he is the only one or the only way that we know that God is indeed for us. For Jesus said in John 16, in that day you will ask in my name. So John would write in his first letter in John 5, 1 John 5, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Do we ever wonder if God hears our prayers? Then ask according to God's will. And if we don't know God's will, then search the scriptures. And if we find nothing in God's word about what we are asking, then we leave it up to the Lord to answer his way because he is good and what he gives is good. And he has our best interest at heart but if we wait and we do not hear or see god's answering our prayer then again we leave it up to him because he has our best interest at heart and again and again we turn to romans 5 so that we can live like Paul. For we, for we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so we go back to Exodus 17, where we see the opposite of prayer. Here, The people are grumbling against Moses, and they wanted water to drink. That seems simple enough, doesn't it? They couldn't find any water. The land didn't have any water, and Moses didn't have any water, and just as Moses was only a servant and a mediator between them and the Lord, who is the creator of water. The gripe wasn't against Moses. It was against the Lord. The God who had delivered them from slavery. The God who had bent Pharaoh's will to his will. The God who shamed the Egyptian gods. The God who allowed them to take the riches of Egypt. The God who parted the Red Sea so that they could walk on dry ground. The God who drowned Pharaoh's army so that they would never be pursued again. And yet, they didn't ask. And they doubted God's promises among them and wondered if God was really for them. For in Jesus, God is really for us. In him, we find what the will of God is so that we believe God's word and live holy lives according to it so that God's name is honored among us and others know God and come to faith and are strengthened to believe in Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one that gives us the living water that overflows. He lives to grant me rich supply. He lives to guide me with his eye. He lives to comfort me when faint. He lives to hear my soul's complaint. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding. Keep your heart minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.